all this has happened before and it will all happen again that's how this movie starts what did you think of the beginning of this movie the opening I liked it what more do you want from me it was enjoyable you want to talk about the shadows who like Peter's shadows like at the very very everybody's beginning everybody's shadows yeah oh no go for it that's all well, you so you've got um, you've got Mary Darling hot as fuck <laughs> getting ready yeah for a minute there it kind of looks like the parents are just going to stay behind silhouettes but I feel like this is um, this is an amazing realization on the part of the artist to pay attention to this this concept of shadow selves that they hearken back to over and over I mean even after this whole Peter losing his shadow thing gets sorted out like Peter's shadow is a prominent part of parts with Peter. Right. And pickle peppers. <laughs> and the way he packed them. <laughs> and the way he picked them. So you get introduced to the family. Wendy is the eldest of the darling children. Peter and Just eldest enough. Rather, Michael and John. <laughs> uh, Michael and John are... So, Peter Pan is part of their uh, nursery mythos. She tells these stories at night, and it, it's, it's, it's like the, the tall tale of... of they're, they believe that he's real. And it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it Wendy's stories that beget Peter, or is it, or is it Peter that creates the inspiration for the stories? So, but before we really, really get to Peter... Let's that the family has like a really really good unveiling, if you will, in the beginning. Um, and there's this uh, this friction between George Darling and the rest of the family, who is uh, kind of content to continue on with with the nurturing of fantasy in said nursery. And they're trying to get out the door to go to some fucking to do. George is looking for his. By the way, anytime I think of cufflinks. Or a shirt front. What like, the fuck is a shirt front? It's what I used to think a cummerbund was. A cummerbund is like that weird belt thing. Yeah, I know. That's just like, I hey, know. are you the fat This kid? actually also got sorted out on an on-air episode of Plusin' and Cussin'. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying... I'm just saying, it's really fucking rude that a cummerbund is even a thing, because, like, a skinny guy looks cool in a cummerbund, right? It's just like, look at how fucking, like, look at this. Fat guy looks like Licky Tongue is, like, wrapping his tongue yeah, around, dude, around I look, your fat I, belly. I look like a fucking, I look like a fucking ghoul cut in half. Is I look like a fucking I look like a calzone bursting at the seams. Well, I don't think you ever need to wear a cummerbund again. I wore a cummerbund. <laughs> like it, I, I will never be invited to a situation where a cummerbund is necessary. Uh, because if you're taking me to somewhere that requires tuxedos, I'm wearing a goddamn tail. Tuxedo tee. I'm wearing tails. Oh yeah. No, I'm wearing I'm wearing a coat with tails, and you don't. I guess you you, you have to have the cumber. Fuck a cummerbund is what I'm getting at here. So. We talked about this earlier, but I, the shadows are really good. Um, the the Saint Bernard that they have as Nana, their their nur- nursemaid, is really really good, and she's got this kind of OCD. She she's a great caretaker, but she's trying to smooth out the bed, 
and then the boys end up jumping on the bed while they're playing Pirates and Peter Pan or whatever, and then to fuck up the bed, and that gives me anxiety. I have to wait for the racism warning. Yeah, and it's significant. Yeah. (laughs) The last RKO feature before Disney created Buena Vista. It's in the story. And when he says... Story I might have known. Wendy? Wendy! Yes, Father? Would you kindly... Oh, Mother! You look simply lovely. Thank you, dear. Wendy. Just my own gown made over, but it did turn out rather... Mary, if you don't mind, I... Why, Father, what have you done to your shirts? What have I... Now, George, really, it comes right off. That's no excuse. Wendy, haven't I warned you? Stuffing the boys' heads with a lot of silly stories. Oh, they aren't. I say they are. Captain Crook, Peter Pirate. Peter Pan, Father. Pan, Pirate, Poppycock. Oh, you no, don't understand. Father, have you Absolute Poppycock. And let me tell you, this ridiculous... Now, George. Now, George. Now, George. Well, now, George, we'll have his say. Please, dear. Mary, the child's growing up. It's high time she had a room of her own. George! What? Now! I mean it. Young lady, this is your last night in the nursery. And that's my last word on the matter. Now we're just just watching Peter Pan. You started watching Peter Pan because it's good. Watching it, and I'm over here not watching it. Oh! Poor Nana! Poor Nana! Nana. This is the last straw! Ouch! Uh, poor Nana indeed, because when this fucking thing was getting drawn, Nana was gonna get to go on the adventure with everybody. Most of the storyboards right up until the very end featured Nana and Neverland alone. Would have been, would have been too much. Too much baggage. That, Saint Bernard. It's a big dog. It's a big dog, but I'm telling you, these storyboards made it look cute. You know that chicken that comes along on Moana, you're like, why is the chicken here? It adds a little bit. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. So as as Wendy is falling asleep, the mother tries to close the window and she says, uh, no, leave it open because he might come back. He might come back. What the fuck are you talking about? Somebody coming in your finger. We, we are literally about to leave you here alone. Yeah. Who might come back and who's, come in through your who's fucking coming window? coming in through your window? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, Peter Pan. Oh, Peter Pan, huh? She's falling asleep, so she's kind of talking nonsense. I think that's the only reason the mom is, like, not a little bit more alarmed. I have his shadow. He might come back for his shadow. I took it from Nana. Nana took Peter's shadow from him. So there's already some shit established. It's like we're on a moving train, right? In creative writing class, you want to start off on a moving train. Right. 
um, as opposed to Once Upon a Time, right? right? And I think Disney's starting to realize this, too. Because um, we didn't get the fucking... We, did, we didn't have that zoom in on a live-action leather-bound book that opens up onto a story. No, we didn't, because this is... Is this the first, like, slightly contemporary story? I feel like no, it. No, no. I, I mean, Alice in Wonderland... Yeah, and then and then Dumbo's a brand new story. Dumbo's a brand new story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so conflict established. Growing up needs to happen. Father George Darling. This is Wendy's last night in the nursery because all of the all of the childish shit needs needs to stop. Um, at a certain point, everybody needs to grow up, which I don't think anybody would argue with outside of the context of this movie. So then they uh, the, the 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 darlings. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rather, after putting the kids to bed, leave to go out to whatever the fuck they're doing. Now uh, that's a that's a problem. We need to talk about why that's a problem for just a second. Mr. and Mrs. Darling are going to leave. the The one thing that may have been okay is leaving at least the big giant mean dog inside to protect them. But no, you've tied her up outside. And you're leaving your kids in downtown London uh, 16 years after Jack the Ripper. This is before the likes of Rodney Alcala. And just after Jack the Ripper. In fucking London. Like, you, you, I, I, at what at what point do you not leave your Speaking children Speaking of Jack the Ripper, fucking home alone George Darling night. looks just like him uh, walking out of this house. And I want to play this bit. Without Nana. Safe? Of course they'd be safe. Why not? Well, Wendy said something about a shadow, and I... Shadow? Who shadow? Peter Pan. Oh, Peter Pan. <laughs> Peter Pan! You don't say. Goodness gracious, whatever shall we do? But George... Sound the alarm. Really? Call Scotland Yard. There must have been someone. Oh, Mary, of all the impossible childish fiddlemen. Peter Pan. How can we... Uh, creepy teeth, Peter Pan. Grow up and be practical. For something like that. No wonder Wendy gets these idiotic ideas. So spooky. Peter Pan's first appearance. So spooky. I think that is really, really well animated by making him appear in shadow, but not completely without color. Right. Peter Pan is trying to regain his shadow. Um, darkness and light, right? They go in through the window. Uh, we meet Peter Pan and Tinkerbell for the first time. Tinkerbell, uh, mainly just a, a little ball of light until you get in and see the source of that light, which is that ass. That big, beautiful booty. Now, that little pinpoint of light is an homage to the stage production where Tinkerbell, up until this point, has always just been like a fucking strong flashlight that some drunk fucking... Like that mag light British that we couldn't get open yeah, to. Yeah, literally. Like, Tinkerbell in every production of Peter Pan has always just been a pretty good flashlight. Always. Uh, and so that, that that's Disney fucking teasing you. And saying, if I just gave you this point of light, you'd still be cool with it and know that that was Tinkerbell. But check out that ass. Yeah. 
uh, which is a, a technique that Pixar would go on to adopt with and every perfect. mom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it fucking worked, right? Like, remember when the blue fairy comes in and you're like, dun, 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 and it's like just a blue ball of light, and you're like, I'm cool with that. That's a blue. <gasps> Just in my pants! (laughs) Yeah, Tink's got that ass. Um, They're looking for it, and at a certain point, uh, she gets her... She gets her... Oh, and and she is somewhat ashamed of her her beautiful body when she um, looks at it on the mirror that she's, like, ice skating on and then lifts up her hip ratio... To look at it next to her face. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, she got it from her mama. My. You know, like. She ain't, was. She ain't was nothing, ain't nothing wrong with that. She, she didn't know if she was even ready for all that jelly. Uh, but she also came from a time that my grandmama came from. Uh, and my grandma, who my daughter is named after, used to like pinch me and my little brother's fat rolls when we were kids and be like this is way more than an inch she had her work cut out for her huh? you've never heard you've never heard pinch an inch uh and i was like no what the fuck is pinch an inch but like my grandmother came I'm just trying to watch ducktales and eat my fruit roll-ups <laughs> yeah you took me to this va fucking hot dog stand with army ants toys uh yeah, no, but she'd like she'd feed us hot dogs and then she'd fucking pinch an inch and talk about how fat we were. <laughs> uh, but she came from that time, is what I'm saying. And so, like, that's like I can. I mean, in in in, in your defense, you guys got a lot fatter after that. <laughs> <laughs> Significantly fatter. She was right. That's the thing. If you just let her pinch away, you 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 know you might be better off. And not like if I had let it traumatize me instead of just brushing it off as grandma being grandma. Uh, but I imagine I... You like, might be the lead singer of Silverleaf at this point. <laughs> Silverleaf is... The, are you... Are you? Is that... That's a fucking great name for a fucking grunge Get band. Get on the way to you, fat boy! You're thinking Silver Chair. Silver Chair. Silver yeah. Leaf is the fucking the, call it's center. It's the place that you work. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in fucking Arlington works at if they need to buy drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking great name for a metal band from Arlington. <laughs> Silver Leaf is going to be the next Pantera. <laughs> so, what do you think of Peter Pan and, and Tink coming in? Uh, I think I'd let Tink come in wherever she wanted to come in. I think I'd let Tink come on whatever she wanted to come on. That's what I think. I can, I can see that I'm going to be carrying the latter latter third of this episode. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I would fuck Tinkerbell. Um, uh, no. It, uh, what do you think of Peter? Like, he's, he's the titular character. And here he is. I don't know. He's uh, He catches the shadow. You girls talk too fucking much. Yeah, no, uh, his actual line is... Um, Bitches talk too much. Bitches be talking. <laughs> because Wendy wakes up and, and she does talk too oh much. Oh my god, she does be talking. Yeah. I was like, um, hey Ash, come in here, look at this. Because uh, bitches be talking too much. Uh, <laughs> and from, straight from the horse's mouth, Peter Pan says it. And uh, then she finally takes up the, the sewing needle and, and, and is starting to sew it to What's his up life. with the soap? He goes, Why does she gotta rub soap on him? She doesn't. He does, because he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like Peter Pan right now? Um, 
<laughs> because you can't give up childhood either. So, Wendy's fixing it for him. He's like, well, get on with it, girl. He's not... He's not mature. He's the hero, but he's... Wendy is the hero here. Can we agree that Wendy is the hero here? Wendy is the voice of sensibility. Peter is the hero. I think Wendy is the hero. Peter can't here. be the hero without Wendy as an anchor. When? Well, we'll talk about why when we get to that. This movie just fucking started, all right? Peter's all cool with everything. He's about to leave. And then Wendy says, well, th- uh, sorry, goodbye. This is my last night in the nursery. He freaks out. He's like, no, 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 no. I want to come hear stories about me. He's vain. He's proud. He's impulsive. What if this is one of those situations, though, like God or Jesus or Slenderman uh, or Santa? It, 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 it's a situation where the entity knows that it doesn't exist unless you believe in it. I, I mean, I think that that's perfectly valid. Yeah. And, and the, I mean, we do have evidence that that entity exists without him, but... So he, Peter Pan he, he is more like this, the Babadook. He needs this generation to believe in him. Just like in the play, fairies need people to believe in them. Wendy tried to let me d- 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 down. <laughs> That's he this takes generation. Her, he asks her, Wendy, take my hand. We're off to Never Never Land. Now... I want you to tell me what you know about a man named Bob Rock. Nothing. You don't know anything about Bob Rock? What you know about Cliff Burton? Nothing. Cliff Burton was the original bass player for uh, for Metallica, and he did a lot of the songwriting. He had a classical background. Cliff Burton had done a lot of the songwriting. He, basically, he was on uh, Kill 'Em All. He was on Ride the Lightning. He was on Master. Um, they got Jason Newstead to finish up Injustice for All, but that was a departure for them. And then it was time for the Black Album, and they needed a guy. They needed a guy. They needed a new identity. Some might argue that they didn't, but. I don't think anybody would argue with the results of the Black Album, which is still in the number one charts 30-something years later. Okay? 30 years later. That fucking Miley cover is me fire. So, Bob Rock comes and takes a look at this Enter Sandman song. Now, do you know anything about the original lyrics of Enter Sandman? Nope. All right. So the original Inner Sandman was much, much more metal and much darker with just a few lyrical differences. All right. I found this out on a uh, on a a podcast that was ripping on St. Anger, which I actually like. So it turns out that original Enter Sandman, the most popular Metallica song of all time, is about crib death. Fuck. And the line... We're off to Never Neverland was originally Disrupt the Perfect Family. Come with me, Disrupt the Perfect Family. Fuck! That's what Hetfield wrote. And that's what Hetfield thought was good. And uh, Bob Rock came in and goes, uh, Hey, how about we we change this part up a little bit? Because this is a hit, guys. This is a hit, boys. And not to disparage Bob Rock, because I think he's fucking brilliant, and I I think he helped him realize a lot of stuff. They butted heads a lot on that album, and every album they ever worked on after that, too. But, uh, 
yeah. Bob Rock came in and said, hey, how about we do Take My Hand, We're Off to Never Never Land. And that's what they put out. And that's what it is to this day. Ooh. <laughs> so you get a Peter Pan reference in that fun little uh, drink a milkshake with your sweetheart song. <laughs> That was originally about a baby dying in the crib Still and disrupting of... the perfect family. Come with me! Disrupt the perfect family! It would have been so much cooler! I, I, I think we're off to Never Neverland is plenty cool. So, just an interesting little bit of trivia. So, Tink is very jealous. Why, though? Because he uses Tink like a fleshlight. So... John and um, and Michael wake up because Peter's hopping around on their beds. And now he can't just take that sweet, sweet Wendy to Neverland. He's got to take John and Michael, too. How are we going to get there? Well, we're going to fly. How the fuck are we going to fly? Pink happy thoughts. Fuck, I, I don't even remember. I've just been doing it so I've long. I've been doing it for so fucking long. Maybe hundreds of years. It's natural. Well, you just... That's it. You think happy thoughts. Also, you need Tink's titty sprinkles. Oh, uh, I forgot. The t- this whole time, I forgot the most important part. It doesn't have anything to do with happy thoughts. Yeah. You just need my slave. <laughs> uh, so Tink's titty sprinkles get all over everybody, and now they can all fly. And then we get um, the amazing song, You Can Fly, 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 which I really, really like because, um, amongst other things, among, uh, aside from it just being a good song, Somewhat akin to uh, another another Plus Been Cussing episode. Um, these are a few of my favorite things. Sleigh bells and snow and all that. You also get this, like, um, speeding up and slowing down. Uh, this, this, like, dynamic change uh, from the people that are singing the song, which are none of the characters, by the way. It's yeah. probably the same white people that sang uh, as the slaves on Song of the South. Uh, and uh, and the, the 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 red men in this movie and the, yeah yeah and the deer in uh, in Bambi and the that sexy fucking train lady from yeah. Dumbo yeah so th- they're flying this is an amazing fucking animation sequence real quick let's talk about the darling children um, specifically we got Catherine Beaumont who we re- we might remember from Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland. that's Alice um, and then we've got John. Please tell me things worked out better for Catherine than they did for Bobby Driscoll. They did, yeah. No, Catherine's still alive. She's she's doing fucking talking head vignettes. Yeah, she's fine. Bobby Driscoll died naked and alone in a yeah. an and, abandoned uh, hotel. You said, and not an, an abandoned tenement. Worse. Yeah, worse. Fuck. Like a like a fucking abandoned flop house, like a fucking cracked in. Right. Yeah. Like how long was he alone? Hmm. I don't know, but... It's going to be a good play. Let's talk about the real success story. The guy who played John Darling. His real swan song was in 2003, when he was in uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. A man can dream. Yeah. <laughs> but, so they're flying around, and, um, and they land on... Uh, a, a the needle of the clock for Big Ben because they're like where the fuck are we going he's like yeah look over there second star to the right straight on some morning and that clock goes off uh, precisely at like 9.14 just when Big Ben rings out you know yeah 
Uh, there is an idea that Peter Pan actually fucked up Big Ben when he did that. And that's why it's not to be trusted in Mary Poppins. Really? Are you making that up? No. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Cool bit of, uh, cool bit of like cinematic universe canon. Yeah. And so like, that's the idea that what's his face on the fucking houses. He's always just seen that side of Big Ben. Admiral Boom? Admiral Boom. There's four Man, si- I can't wait to get to Mary Poppins. There's four sides of Big Ben. Admiral Boom only sees the one, and he's all like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, how is nobody else noticing? The bells are dinging. This shit is off. Mm. Peter. Wow, what a bunch of fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then it's like, where, the, where are we going? It's like, oh, yeah, see up there, second star on the right, straight on until morning. So they fly to a star. Man, I, I gotta say... And uh, and that's you know, how you know from this moment forward it's these a cartoon. fucking yarn spinners will pay for their crimes. So we see we see Neverland, and then we see the pirates on the pirate ship. Oh, a pirate's life is a pipe for me. Get to live my life on the open sea. Play. I'm gonna play a little clip from that. Okay. This was this was a much better choice than what they were going with before this song got recorded. Good morning, shipmate. And what's good about it, Mr. Smee? <laughs> Here we are collecting barnacles on <laughs> this miserable island. While his nibs plays Ring Around the Rosie with Peter Pan. My God. We ought to be tending <laughs> to the business of looting ships. Why, I've almost forgotten how to slit a throat. Better <laughs> off it. And tell the captain we wants the good to see. See? <laughs> That's fucking mutiny, bro. <laughs> Every voice you just heard was Bill Thompson. Remember, remember how we talked about um, how we talked about how there were the there was the white rabbit and also the um, the dodo. Yes. In Alice in Wonderland. Those were both Bill Thompson. All of those pirates were Bill Thompson. All Bill Thompson. Every single one. Yeah. Including Smee. Obvious Smee. Um, so, now we are introduced to Captain Hook, the tragic comic, tragic comic, um, villain of this movie, who, how do, how do you feel about Captain Hook? Captain Hook is the first person to actually murder somebody on screen. I don't know that that's true, but he's certainly the first Disney yeah, villain. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's like a guapo in fucking Three Amigos, you know. Like he, he <laughs> yeah, that's he's he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's also he's but he's the such main a comic relief. Yeah, he's the main comic relief of the movie, and I think I think that, that there must have been like some iterations on him, and then they decided to goof him up a bit. That was. That was Frank's idea, and everybody came at him with these ideas because it was like, "Hey, you know, you've got you've got the play to work from." And so there were really two ways that Captain Hook had always been played. You've got this super silly fucking dandy fop, fancy pants, 
or you've got murderous pirate. And it was Frank Thomas who married the two together to make this silly, scary, actually shooting someone off the crow's nest because their song is annoying me. I feel like all of those deaths are silly too. Like, I'd say... I'd say Hook is 90% comedy and 10% menace. Maybe 80-20. I think there's a really delicate balance here that Hook is as bad as your dad when he's mad. Oh, wow. Do we have a name for the episode? (laughs) I guffawed in my living room at the, the Hook and Smee scenes. And we'll talk more about that dynamic, I think, when we do our our, our companion episode. Because I think that, that that's something we can really touch on there, because that's something that the actors that portrayed those characters in that in that film kind of lighted on. You yeah. Know? But um, I just want to say, real quick, the whole um, Smee giving a stressed-out Captain Hook a shave and then uh, shaving a seagull's ass... And then thinking that he cut Hook's head off and, and looking and for looking it. For yeah. it. And then thinking that he found it when he knocked over the captain is goddamn comedy gold. Like, stuff you can only do in a cartoon or a Three Stooges bit. This whole movie was a situation where they were like, holy shit, everything we want to do we can do because it's a cartoon. Because every other... Every other Peter Pan so far is just people flying around on wires and some fucking drunk British dude with a flashlight, right? Like, you get to draw Peter Pan. Ships are gonna fucking fly. When we sing You Can Fly, you look like you're fucking flying. It's not some fucking girl on a, on a yeah, wire. Yeah, no, you look like fucking Dalsam from Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't Girl on Wire a fucking uh, uh, Ben Affleck joint? Nah. Uh, you're thinking of uh, Gone Girl? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but uh, we move on to The Lost Boys now. Um, Which Lost Boys? The, the what, 2022 what? remake, they are called The Lost Non-Binary POCs. <laughs> the Lost Genderless Creatures. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always loved Lost Boys. Which lo- what, uh, you're, Okay, so you're a Lost Boy, you live on the island. What ones are you wearing? I'm wearing the Fox one. Really? And you're wearing the bear one. Shut the fuck up. Of course I'm wearing the bear one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I you mean... You didn't want to sound off with roll call? I, I mean, I don't have a twin. I'm wearing... And the, I talk too much to be the skunk. I'm I'm wearing the bear... I'm wearing the bear one. Tink comes in. Um, hey, uh, we gotta kill this fucking Wendy bird. Uh, Peter told me that there's a bird coming in and you have to murder her. Right, so... Let me hearken back to the novel real quick and say that there is all kinds of murder going on on that island, but it has a little bit less consequence than it does. So there's like this, you mean it's there's this rock paper scissors game. Thing. Yeah, there's this rock paper scissors thing going on with the pirates killing the Indians, killing the lost boys, killing the Indians, killing the pirates. They're killing each other all the time. Now, I'm not saying that that, that those aren't lasting deaths because the book doesn't say that those aren't lasting deaths, but death isn't treated with as much gravity just because maybe it's not necessarily full reality. Because it's the same as a fucking toddler hanging out on the playground going, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. Bang, 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 you're dead, you're dead. slitting throats and stuff, too. But that's that's the fucking thing. Like, you're... 
as a child, especially a boy child, you grow up with bang, 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 you're dead, you're dead, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're dead, you're dead. It, it just, you don't really have the beauty of never growing up is you don't understand the permanence of death. Which is why when the Lost Boys are like, hey, it's just a game, and fucking, and the chief is all like, nah, dude, me no play them games. Like, oh, fuck. I don't know what the, what, why, where this, like, Piccanini, like, imitation, um, imitation Indian talk came from, but it, uh, you know, I guess it's fun. I don't know. It's probably very, very, very reductive. Oh, so Tink is banished forever and then for seven days for her uh, assassination attempt. She takes off. Then we have uh, John and Michael and the Lost Boys doing Following the Leader, which is, I mean, you know the Following the Leader song, right? Is this the first instance of this song? Because I thought this was like a, a like, classic song. Following the leader, the leader, the leader, we're following the leader, wherever he may go. No, I think... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it, this is the original. Like yeah. yeah, it's not like a ring around the rosy or something ring like that. Ring around the rosy, your pocket full rosy. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, so that's maybe the first instance of the term "follow the leader." I'm I've still got my mind blown by the fact that if it wasn't for Peter Pan, I would be going to like Lucy's or some shit to get my spicy chicken nuggets and my frosties instead of Wendy's. If there, if Wendy isn't a name, what's Wendy's called? I, I just, I think I'd be a Jiffy man, I guess. Mm, I do love a good Jiffy bird. <laughs> I think I actually like Jiffy, Jiffy peanut butter better than, uh, than Peter Pan peanut butter. Oh, you're talking about Peter Pan peanut butter, but yeah, what, what's a Jiffy burger? I'm talking about Wendy's, the fast food restaurant. But what's a Jiffy burger, though? I don't know. Were you I, just yes and I was yes anding you. Yeah. Yes. I because I'm here to give you what you need to look better as a performer. <laughs> direction you're trying to take this thing. That's why I drink so much to help you. Um, those lost boys look like the Capitol insurgents. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you got written down in your notes there? It's right there. It's a good note. <laughs> Cuz they fucking do. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take Pelosi's mail. She ain't using it. <laughs> uh, it looks like Brochella. I'm just going to say Indians. Uh, that's what they call them in this movie. No, it's not. They call them Indians. Yeah, they, they yeah. Um, the Indians, uh, they look very caricaturized when they, when they capture them. So that's J.M. Barry's fault. Yeah, no, it, 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 it and he, he's... <laughs> And he calls them redskins. He calls them savages. You're, like you're yeah. you're in a situation where you have so J when J J M Barry Road to Hell paved with best intentions, right? Like when he's writing in these generic savage Indians, it's it's literally this this young boy imagination of the wiki wild wild west Indian, right? Like this is the literary reality of of that piece and part of the problem my source here by the way is the christian science monitor part of that problem is because jm barry wrote this in and left the rights at this point in perpetuity to the children's hospital that shit is protected 
So the things that you can actually change if you're putting on a performance of Peter Pan are limited. So you kind of have to figure out in this day and age when we're not looking through the eyes of the Great British Empire will never fall and savages are savages kind of thing. When you're not looking through the eyes of the 18 fucking hundreds and you're trying to make Peter Pan show off without looking like the most incredibly racist thing that ever happened. Uh, it presents itself an issue, and that's been something that ha- that the directors of this play in high schools and colleges and on fucking Broadway have had to figure out every fucking time. Well, so, I mean, there's a 2002 or three remake that just leaves the uh, leaves the native... The, I mean, the... the, the, the na- what are we calling them? The, the native Neverlanders? The, like, the fucking engines. Yeah. You can... Uh, uh, the, the Redmen, the fucking savages... Yeah, of the because they are they are a caricature of of a caricature mm-hmm. at yeah. this point. Yeah, and, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, like what do you do now? You do what Hook did. You just fucking leave them out entirely. But there are certain things that are written into. I the mean, play and Hook you, was remarkably progressive. There and there are zero Indians. Right. None. Right. Engines. Native. Native. No. Engines. Hook. Hook. Hook took on so much, and we'll. So that 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 beloved imagined Mermaid Lagoon comes true now. These now, when you're watching the Mermaid Lagoon, are you thinking about the fucking fawns from Fantasia, and they just fucking scooped some titties off a horse's butt and slapped a fish butt on them? These mermaids are so much hotter than those fawns. They're the same fucking women, but with tails. Also, so hot. Yeah, uh, it's they get jealous just like Tink does. Everybody on this island wants to fuck Peter Pan, but Peter Pan doesn't want to fuck anybody. Uh, he might want to fuck Tiger Lily. I do. <laughs> yeah, I also want to get blowjobs from those mermaids. They just fucking form a line to suck Peter's dick on that fucking rock, and they get really mad when Wendy shows up. And notice that when fucking Tink is gone, jealous Tink when she's gone and can't sprinkle fucking. Peter's down there talking to all these mermaids that want to suck his dick. Wendy can't fly anymore. He's floating around all goddamn she can, still. She's not. She's not super deaf at it. She's though. hopping around on rocks. She's falling into the water. These fucking. She picks up a a, a, a clunch. The mermaids are bash trying their to kill her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They like, are sirens oh, after Peter, all. Peter does not take any of this seriously. He says, "Oh, oh, oh come on, Wendy. They're just they're just fucking around. You know, y'all are all silly females and." And then one of them goes, we were only trying to drown her. Really funny. Really funny. Hilarious. So, um, Lost Boys are captives of the, of the engines. Uh, but this is one of those, those beautiful moments where John, the pussy, uh, different than... He John, is not a pussy. He, he, in Neverland, he's not a pussy. At home, he's a pussy. And that's the dichotomy of... This, this, is just, this is just your fucking stupid narrative. No, I'm... John John at home is a fucking pussy. You don't know that we don't see any of that. John is valiant. John is, is educated and valiant, and he knows how to navigate this shit. He's not as brave in, as Wendy. In Neverland. Neverland brings out the best of John. The, the, any fucking way. Uh, John is all like, Alright guys, what you need to remember about an engine... Is they're fucking stupid. So we're just going to surround them and sneak up on them. But the whole time, John has got the Lost Boys circle around telling him about how he's going to sneak up on these engines. 
Yeah, we already did this. We did this. They already got captured. They're in the trees. Right. Working through John's plan as he sells it to the boys. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Hilarious. Alright, so let's get back to the part of the movie that we're at. Where they're already tied up by the engines that caught them. But hey, don't worry about it. It's a game. They catch us, we catch them, we let exactly. them go, they let exactly. us go. Exactly. It's a game. And then um, John, uh, either John or Michael is like, hey, they're going to fucking kill us. And uh, the, the Lost Boys are like, oh, no, it's no big deal. We uh, They catch us and we catch them and we catch them and then they turn us loose. And then we turn them loose. And the chief comes up and he's like, no, nah, this time, no, turn them loose. And uh, and it becomes apparent that Tiger Lily, Princess Tiger Lily, is in fact kidnapped. You uh, get turn them loose when Tiger Lily home. Yeah, this is an amazing voice uh, done by a guy named Candy Candido. Let's talk about Candy Candido real quick. He was a he's primarily known as an American bass player, but he was in The Wizard of Oz, the scary Gator General in Robin Hood. So we'll see Candy Candido again. Uh, but he, he was a voice actor and a bass player. I don't know what the, He was an angry apple tree in The Wizard of Oz, which I don't remember. He did some bits with Abbott from Abbott and Costello. He The angry apple tree throws the apples. And we get the cave scene, which is, I think, my favorite part of the whole fucking movie. Now, the, in, in the work up to this scene, the concept art for this shit was fucking dark. Lots of skeletons, lots of no turning back. There, at one point, you've got the water levels marked on the wall, and it's my like least favorite part of Ocarina of Time. One, two, three, four, five, and then the last is ha ha. Once ha, I caught ha, a tiger ha. lily alive. Yeah, so I mean, we get this scene where um, Smee and Hook are going to let Tiger Lily drown in the rising tide, and they know Peter Pan will come to rescue her. Which he does. And there's the crocodile. And uh, This scene with Hook and the crocodile, though. Because... Alright. Quite violent. Yeah, yeah. How tall do you think Smee is? Like, four feet tall. I mean, and, if we're talking about, like, his dimensions in the in the film. Right. So Hook is, what, like, 6'2"? Yeah, he's a tall guy. He's a fucking tall guy, right? Captain Hook at a full split. His entire fucking wingspan, right? At least six feet, two inches long. Is about the same fucking size as this crocodile's jaw. I, when I'm thinking about the crocodile as a villain in itself, I forget about the sheer fucking size of this bad boy. Like, that is a big fucking Do you think of the crocodile as a villain or more of just an agent of chaos? I think the crocodile is the passing of time. And I think that's why Captain Hook is... Captain Hook fucking hates Peter Pan because Peter Pan never grew up. And Captain Hook did. Now, Captain Hook is on the fucking island for one reason and one reason only. Because he's scared to fucking die. And that's the reason he's afraid of a fucking clock. And that's the reason he's afraid to leave, because it'll mean his death. It means his fucking doom. Um, Yeah. And we'll actually, um, at the very end, if you remind me, we'll talk about um, Lost Girls again. 
<laughs> Fuck yeah. And uh, and Alan Moore's interpretation of, of this story through the eyes of like an erotica lens. But at, at, at the end of the day, I feel like the because of that, the truest villain is the fucking crocodile. Like the crocodile is willing to eat the bad guy. Like no one is safe. But is from time the really a villain or is time indifferent and just something that we all have to accept, including Peter? TBD. Or, or is Peter the only one that's exempt from it? And at what cost? Everybody that he's ever loved passing along in the stream that he is firmly planted in forever. Fucking A, man. So we have a seduction bit where Smee signals Hook into the goings-on of women folk. And somehow the pirates have wind of, of the, the drama that's going on with, with Wendy and Peter and... <laughs> Wendy and Peter and Tink, Tinkerbell. Tink told him. Tink, Tink told him fucking everything. Tink didn't tell nobody shit. Tink's hiding out, fucking pissed off. Who's she talking to? Fucking squirrels. You tell me she's talking to squirrels. She hasn't <laughs> been captured at this point. She has not been captured at this point because Smee gives Hook the idea after getting his fucking ass kicked. Also scene with the fucking hammer and hitting him on the head and pouring the fucking hot water into the bucket where his feet are. Like, Hook getting just his ass kicked by his by his imbecile boatswain is fucking hilarious. It is laugh out loud the best stuff of the whole movie. Uproarious. But, uh, Smee gives Hook the idea oh, hey, maybe I can manipulate this uh, manipulate this, rather, this Tinkerbell... Uh, drama to my to my benefit. Upon which prompting he sends Smee to go fetch Tinkerbell, which he does. We get what makes the red man red. So there is a uh, and I feel like you see this in a lot of stuff where like the tribe welcomes back the 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 like plucky white conquerors and gives them this celebration feast and then offers up you know, offers up the daughter of the tribe, right? Like, this, yeah. is, this is an archetype. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, this, is a, this is like a white colonial conqueror archetype. It's for, done, like, for, like, the best possible scenario it's done best when you don't commit genocide on them, right? Jungle to jungle. Yeah, 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 for sure. What makes the red man red? Why does, does he ask you how? What so does what make makes the red, the red man, man red, red is, is uh, an erection. What's it called? Priapism? That's just a boner that lasts too long. <laughs> um, what makes the red man red is the last refrain of that um, of that song, which is just oh he blushes right like Tiger Lily kisses Peter Pan, which makes Wendy pissed off enough to where she wants to leave. The first part of that song is why does he ask you how? How? And that part is just uh, is just them going oh well he was curious and then he asked how and now he knows a lot of things. Now the middle part of that song though. <laughs> Is when did he first say "ugh"? Now, in the middle of all this racist nonsense, when did he first say "ugh"? Uh, it's something along the lines of a guy that is about to marry a chick, and then he calls off the marriage because he sees his mother-in-law, <laughs> who is butt-ass ugly, and um, and this is where we all guffaw. At all of it, right? But, like, in the middle of the racist tumult, we also go, hey, look at this ugly bitch. 
got a, we got a squaw, no dance. Squaw, get him firewood. Wendy goes to get him firewood. And then she sees Peter making out with Tiger Lily. By How making out, I mean, and, I'm talking about an Eskimo kiss. But Peter has a big fucking uh, chief headdress on, and he looks pretty cool with it. Yeah, he, look, he looks like the hottest girl at Coachella. <laughs> Um, and then Wendy goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. And then the chick goes, uh, hey, uh, Squaw, I'll get him firewood. And she goes, no, Squaw, no, get him firewood. Squaw, go home. And, uh, and she, she bounces. She's out. Yeah, she's out. Now, we get a very, very good scene, which we're going to see a reprise of in our follow-up movie. With different characters. Well, one different character, anyways. But this is the seductive power of James Hook. We've got Hook playing the piano while he has Tinkerbell imprisoned, who Smee has captured. And Hook is using all of his charm, all of his manipulative powers to get Tinkerbell to give up Peter's location. And he, he plays on her love for Peter... And he plays on her jealousy of Wendy. I mean, he 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 knows that that's the sore spot. That's that's the pressure point. And th- there's a really cool bit where like he finally convinces her to do it, and she like dips her she dips her uh, her feet in ink in an inkwell, and then dances all over the map and that's stuff. It's it's just really fucking cool animation. And I, and goddamn, like the way that they animate Hook in all of his in all of his neuroses. Is is masterful. Some of the best animation I've seen in all of Disney. When he's jittering, jittering around and, and, and shivering and fucking hiding and, and freaking out, like he's just a neurotic goddamn mess. He's like fucking George Costanza. His mustache is as expressive as his eyes. Anyways, he he gets the information that he wants out of Tinkerbell with the promise that he lay not finger nor hook upon Peter Pan. At which point he throws her into a lantern. And, uh, and takes off. Go back to Hangman Street, which is incidentally his location. Everybody's, uh, in a, uh, in a war frenzy. Okay, so this is another, this is a more subtle part of the racism, I think, that is persistent in this movie. Which is that, like, Wendy has to kind of re-civilize all of these little white boys. They've all got war paint on, they're all talking in kind of this this uh parody of of uh engine let's say language and she's like oh but we have to go home to our mothers so i get the sentiment right road to hell paved with good intentions it's all about returning to normalcy but i guess the sin here and and maybe it wasn't really perceived as a sin at the time was like normalcy is also whiteness <laughs> we're 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 wiping off these like ceremonial things that they've adopted from this culture that they've interacted with, but that's like viewed as like you're being savage, you're being silly. So Princess Jasmine sneaking off into the slums. Well, I mean that's that's really more like Prince and Popper shit, though. Well, yeah, but you've got this this idea in the 1800s in London. Or Europe in general. I, I think mostly just England. Well, like, you know those ideas, those fucking explorers clubs? Yeah, uh, Super Adventure Club? Yeah. yeah. The fucking... 
the the boys. Everybody had already been to every place in the world, so we just go and molest every child at every place in the world. It's you know like we're. <laughs> It's these fucking rich white guys who are fucking sitting in their clubs talking about how they saw a fucking elephant, but what really happened is they went to Africa and, and fucked a bunch of Africans, and then they come back, and then they fucking, it's, they're slumming it. They're li- like, they're the worst of the worst fucking rich European people slumming it and okay. coming back. Okay, so yeah, so I get what you're saying now. Yeah. So like, Wendy is pointing out to them that they've been fucking slumming it, and now they need to go back to their... They're clean, fucking percale cotton sheets from the company store. Time to fucking code switch back. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fucking, it's... Your mother and mine. Not a very good song. None of the songs that Catherine Beaumont sings are, are particularly good. And I'm not even I'm not even 100% sure that Catherine Beaumont sings this song. But by the time she's done singing this song, it is very persuasive. She gets them to all want to go to their London flat. And they're all going to go. And Peter's like, okay, well, fuck you then. Because I am impervious to this form of manipulation. And, and like, because of Tinkerbell giving them up, all of them get captured. And it turns out Peter Pan was fucking right the whole time. And um, we get this wonderful fucking song uh, of the pirates trying to recruit all of these boys uh, to be part of their crew. And the alternative is that they walk the plank. And Wendy's the only one that stays stalwart throughout this whole thing. They're going to give you a fucking free tattoo, bro. They're going to give you a free tattoo. Yeah. And it wiggles in the fucking... It, it fucking you can you can wave that flag. Well, once you get those muscles, you can make that flag wave. Yeah. That I feel like that's how Little Pete got his fucking Petunia tattoo. <laughs> Nobody knows how Little Pete got his Petunia tattoo. He was a lost boy. Um, Peter, or Hook has lowered a bomb into Peter Pan's hideout with a note on it saying, do not open till six o'clock with love, Wendy. It's a bomb that's set to go off at six o'clock. Tinkerbell knows this and somehow she gets out. Uh, This is Hook honoring his pirate's code, by the way. Um, Tinkerbell gets in there just quick enough. To piss Peter off one more time. I don't think that Captain Hook leaving this bomb is any different than Mr. Darling telling Wendy that tonight's her last night. Well, there's no there's no coincidence in the fact that, just like in Jumanji, William Parrish's dad, Alan Parrish's dad, is played by the same guy that's the fucking Van Pelt Hunter. The main antagonist of the movie is also the father. Right. Right? Yeah. Captain Hook and Mr. Darling are played by the same actor as they have been since the first play. Oh, is that, is that true? Yeah, it's that's one of those things. So, little Bobby Driscoll was actually... The Just like the workers in Wizard of Oz are played by... Yeah, so it's it's kind of this, like, it's all a dream thing. Yeah, but it's... it's uh, little Bobby Driscoll was the first boy to ever play Peter Pan. Do you think Bobby Driscoll's in heaven? <laughs> now we're Sorry, not go, going. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So, <laughs> like, I would like, I would, if anybody, I would like want to be in heaven. It would it's be like, little Bobby Driscoll. No, it's not little Bobby Driscoll. But like, he's he's on the list. <laughs> he, he's, on, he's actually he's on the long list. I would. I want to. I like. Like first on the list is like John Benet Ramsey. 
Yeah. And, and like the kid that like Albert Fish killed. Is, <laughs> and yeah, you, you ding 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 ding. Congratulations. Baptized or not, you're getting in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Real sorry about that. Fudged the system. We're getting better about it. Uh, but you get in. Yeah, just like a just like an apologetic like Activision Blizzard god. Yeah, they. they uh, so real sorry, the uh, fucking servers went down, but you get this new skin. Literally, we're 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 giving you the DLC fall free. Enjoy it. You I'm can so upgrade sorry. from PS4 to PS5 for free. After this, though, it's going to be ten dollars each time. Please don't ask us about what Xbox is doing, okay? <laughs> Where were we? Why is little Bobby Driscoll in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> Heroin. Okay, that's how he got to heaven. But how did we get here? Because... Mm-mm-mm. Because Captain Hook is no different than Mr. Darling. Captain Hook dropping a bomb on Peter Pan and letting him know that it's 6 o'clock. Don't open this until six o'clock, and then you're fucking dead. Is no different than uh, Mister Darling saying when you wake up in the morning around six a.m. when it's time to wake up from your fucking dreams. That's always early, man. <laughs> Me, I wake up at six a.m. Yeah, oh. I know, but that's super early. Yeah, no, it's super fucking early. But that's a normal. And also, anytime I stay here and you say you're fucking got to be at work at six a.m., don't, don't leave till. Don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway. Leave it like 9.30 or something. I've never been later than I needed to be. Captain Hook has always been played by the same actor that plays Mr. Hans Darling. Hans Conrad? Hans Conrad is both Mr. Darling and Captain Hook. Yes, and is. that is the tradition from the stage play. As it has always been similar to Hamilton when Lafayette turns into fucking Thomas Jefferson after Don't fucking smirk at me. I've never watched that shit all the way through. Well, Thomas Jefferson coming home. Thomas Jefferson coming home. Thomas Jefferson been so give, super Give cool. me like three sentences telling me why Hamilton is good. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the stupid, I wish the audience could see the stupid look on your face while you eat those Korean chips and don't answer my question. Oh my god, they're so good. These racist chips are delicious. Yeah, tell them about the, the bag of chips you're eating. Well, I this was a situation where I thought we were going to be streaming, so I thought it would be fun for the visual audience for us to eat what makes the red man red chips. Uh, which would actually be a really funny thing. If you got Red Man from the Wu-Tang Clan to be like, what makes the Red Man red? That's a good remake. Do you think that if we spent the rest of the night in this room with the internet that we could figure out what this says on this bag? (laughs) (laughs) This is Captain Hook being played by the same person that plays Mr. Darling and then ending, like hitting the climax of this thing with dropping a literal time bomb in Peter Pan's home sort of suggesting that the villain here Captain Hook who's also played by dad telling you that you have no fucking choice the only thing that's kept you alive for potentially hundreds have you of read years this theory somewhere? you've got this idea here at six at six o'clock when it's time to wake up and you have to fucking grow up it's over for Peter Pan right like Peter Pan took her to Neverland right after Mr. Darling told her 
it's over when you wake up. And so I don't I don't think it's a coincidence that the time bomb isn't to be opened until 6 a.m. You're welcome, courtesy of Wendy, right? Because now we're in that situation. Does Peter Pan exist without Wendy's belief? Or is Wendy's belief brought on by Peter Pan? I think this answers that question. If Wendy doesn't believe, Peter Pan is done. But Wendy never lost belief. Of course Wendy never lost belief. And that's the beauty of Wendy because Wendy's the fucking hero here. Plain and simple. Without Wendy, Peter Pan is dead. Peter Pan is nothing. Peter, Wendy... Wendy And, 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 And honestly, I mean, you know... Barry himself called the 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 one that had most of the content in it was Peter and Wendy, not Peter Pan, but Peter and Wendy. Peter and Wendy. Yeah. And if you there's 491 people out there on Reddit right now who love Peter Pan enough to participate. Yeah, Reddit is real pissed at us right now. They in are, the Peter you know. Pan subreddit, there's only 491 people active in the Peter Pan subreddit, and they don't really upvote each other very much. <laughs> But of those 491 people... It's like that subreddit you told me about the other day when you were trying to encourage me to keep my $400 cooler. (laughs) Buy it for life. Buy it for life. Doesn't get a whole lot of action. But have you been to buy it for life? Yeah, I have. Yeah. (laughs) Were there a couple of things where you're like, I might buy that? Uh, Yeah, like a camera from the 1950s. Yeah, I might buy that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's why I've got a cassette player, because you know what? Blow up the bomb does. It does, because it has to. Tick, tick, you, boom, if you will. You have to grow up. It's the one thing that no one will escape. You are going to get older. That's the one thing you can't escape. J.M. Barry watched everyone around him die. Literally, everyone he loved, he watched die from his fucking... And this is this is just me fucking spitballing here, because I didn't know any of this shit until you told it me is, earlier. It is, yeah, I mean... But... A whole bunch more when, people when, live. When you... Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But the first... The, you are a fucking child. Imagine it's you and Sarah. Like, honest to God, think about this. It's you and Sarah, and you like her. You guys were fucking cool growing up. Like, she's cool. But it's you and her, and, like, at the peak of you guys liking each other... And you watch her fall under the ice and die. And it would there's... be more like her watching me fall under the ice. Sure, 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 sure. But it's easier for you to live through it if you're not the one. Like, I need you to see it through your own eyes, right? But that's that's where it begins. He never got the opportunity to grow up. And then you you do actually grow up and you fucking you find these incredible children in this beautiful park and they have this incredible imagination and it reminds you of the games you were playing with your brother and you never want to see them grow up. But as they're growing up, the adults in their lives are telling them no. And you're seeing those adults die around you so much so that you have to take fucking ownership of these fucking kids and help them fucking survive because their parents are gone. You see, you see death at every stage. You see death when it shouldn't happen and death when it does. You see aging and you create this character that's, that really taps into everyone's greatest fucking fear without being scary. The whole thing is fucking brilliant, but like, it's this is one of those movies where when you watch it as a kid it's different than when you watch it as a dad 
because you, when you watched this, already said at the beginning of this episode that you are Mr. Darling. And you were joking about it because the the feeling of all the kids getting what they want and you being stuck with a fucking dirty sweater and fucking, you know, fucking Mrs. Darling being all just taking all of the times that you're trying to be serious and turning them trivial. But when you watched Peter Pan as a little boy... At no point did you identify with Mr. Darling. No way. No way. But you do now. Because guess what, Peter Pan? You fucking grew up. And now you're watching it with your kid and you're screaming at them inside, like without saying to them, don't fucking get old. No, I can't. Whatever you do, go to college and don't get stuck in the service industry. Like all of these things that you're internalizing with your child that you want to be better than you. And suddenly you're Mr. Fucking Darling because this movie resonates with every person watching it at every moment that they're watching it because the story is perfect the animation is perfect and everyone that created this thing knew that feeling and they were able to tap into their own childhood and fucking touch that and remember it and they're all at that age like all of them got to this point right after they fucking wore right Disney's, we're going to go all over it again. We're talking about war never changes. We're talking about the war again. One more time. All of these motherfuckers lived through the war. They lived through the strike. They lived through the fucking occupation of their studios. They lived through fucking Hitler, and now they're making Peter Pan, and all of them have looked death in the eye. I guarantee you, every one of the nine old men making this movie had at least five friends that were dead. Less than 10 years earlier. That's just conjecture, but how could you not? I can't think of anybody who lived through World War II that didn't lose at least five friends to the fucking war. Right? Yeah, so, so, like, uh, I, I can't imagine that anybody making this movie as they made this movie didn't look back on that sense of wonderment and that, that feeling of, I don't want to grow up because I'm a Toys R Us kid. There's a million fucking things at Toys R Us that I can play with. There's bikes. There's gangs. There's video games. Gangs. <laughs> it's the coolest toy store there is. I don't want to grow up. what side of town you're on, it's either Bloods or Crips. Because if I did, I'm going to be a Blood or a Crip. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, it's, but, uh, it's so much I, I, bigger than we thought it was going into it, know, but now that I'm drunk, um, I see what it really is, yeah, man. So everybody's chilling down with us on the deck while Hook and uh, and, and Pan are fiddling up, fiddling around up, up top on because the... Because uh, they're the same fucking person. Right, right, yeah. So uh, Hook realizes he can't win unless Pan can't fly. Duke, 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 Baba Duke, dude. Um... Yeah, so he, he finally appeals to Pan's sense of, of his word, um, and he puts him on the no-fly list. TSA didn't exist before 9-11, man. Pan wins. Um, Hook is chased off by the crocodile, with Smee being the only one that gives a shit about him. <coughs> Lost Boys and, uh, and Wendy. So Pan has now appropriated... The headdress of the chief. Now he's moved on to. He's 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 a conqueror, right? Like he's got the spoils of war. He's got the the coat on. He's got Hook's hat. 
Wendy You're a really, goddamn codfish. You know Wendy that? Wendy really, really just wants him to just take her ass home. And uh, he finally shows that he's not heartless or completely self-centered. Yeah, he's going to take her ass home. And then they do this beautiful sequence. Uh, ship flies up out of the water with the pixie dust all over it and heads to London and takes her ass home. So now we get kind of the disintegration of the dream. One of those moments where you wake up from a dream and it was so real that the rest of your life feels like a sham. So the parents return. George is not a bad guy. He's uh, penitent and has decided to uh, recant his previous declarations about Wendy, but Wendy has accepted them. Because as fathers, we're going to make mistakes. We just want the fucking best for our kids, and we don't know how to give it to yeah, them. Yeah, we're going to blow up. Just don't hit your kids. Because we're fucking old, and we don't know. He just, brings Nana in, by the way. Like, because N- Nana deserves to come in. She's the fucking best dog ever. Yeah, and London's cold. George Darling dismisses Wendy's claims of what the hell happened that night. And then he looks up into the sky and sees the ship sailing past the moon. I think I've seen that motherfucker somewhere before. When I was, yeah. When When I was was a young warthog. (laughs) And Mary, darling, has already kind of accepted that that's what has happened. Mary, darling, is is so hot, by the way. She is so hot. We did not hammer home on how exactly hot Mary, darling, is. But, like, uh... Mary Darling's dem- George has high blood pressure. I am I am also George. We are both <laughs> That's where you're George Darling. Yeah, we're both George Darling. That's the part I'm I'm the one who I'm, verbally abusive to my family. You're the one who dies early. I'm the one who's too fat for his shirt front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the one who batted out of his league. Uh no, like like those Oh, are- I'm not the one. <laughs> no, you guys are in a league of your own. Uh fuck you. <laughs> No matter how hard you try, you can't stop being George Darling. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that about wraps it up. Uh, I do want to touch on um, an interpretation of the story from my favorite writer, uh, which is Alan Moore, who did, and I believe I mentioned this on maybe another episode, maybe not, uh, where uh, in in the... the, um, female erotica literature called Lost Girls. It's a fucking graphic novel, whatever. Basically, Alice, Wendy, and Dorothy meet in a hotel in Austria owned by a Frenchman, and then they have lots of erotic adventures adventures together where they recount the kind of formative sexual experiences of their past. And... They're all instances from the tales that they come from. However, they're a little bit distorted. So, in Wendy's case, she shows up at what they call a spinny, which is kind of like a park, uh, while her parents are out. She meets a boy named Peter, who takes her into kind of this uh, this grove where they carry out all kinds of like sexual exploration. Uh, and she becomes the mother of all of these little lost boys and, like, basically jerks them all off until they fall asleep soundly. She ends up fucking Peter, 
Tinkerbell is like his 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 like pixie little sister who th- there's also fucking but Hook is a grown man who is like a captain that knows her father and he is is a pederast that likes to fucking jerk off looking at kids doing stuff and at the very end basically Peter is not the hero Wendy is and she conquers him by chasing after him as he's trying to rape her and spreading her pussy apart and saying come and get it you're scared of this because I'm a fucking woman there's hair on my pussy and you are too scared to face a real woman because all you can pray after is children because you're scared of growing old and dying. And the, the image that is drawn on the next page, kind of the mural, is a crocodile swallowing him with a, with a stopwatch around his neck, but the and, mouth of the crocodile is a vagina. And then, and then it's got a Ben Garrison-style label, and it just says, Old Age. <laughs> yeah. But... Anyways, there you go. There's your affirmation of, of, of your theory. That Wendy's the fucking hero here? Yeah. Oh. Wendy has always been the hero girls here. Girls rule the world, right? Who run the world? Who run the world, girls? <whistles> on here. And on also on that editing. bit where I say, if you don't edit me, <laughs> that also needs to get edited. That would be really fun. <laughs> because taking out of context and I'm still done. That would be so funny if I just... Uh, cut and pasted that to the very first thing that happens on this podcast. <laughs> All right. I'm going to edit it out myself right now. You can't. You don't know how. You're going to fuck everything up. Look. <laughs>